you doing this morning? All right, it is awesome to see you all. Thank you so much for those of you that are here with us here at Church at the Bridge. And for those of you allowing us to come into your homes this morning, we kind of are privileged to be able to minister the word of God to you today. So to this morning, before we get started, how many of you believe that God speaks to you? How many of you believe that God has something he wants to say to you? Well, if you believe that with us, or if, you know what, you're at a place where you're open and you're saying, you know what, God, I, I really want to hear from you, whether you're here or you're joining us online, I want you to say this with us. It's just a declaration that we have here, something new that I've started. Say this with me. I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart to understand and receive the living word of God. Now go ahead and praise God if you believe that. All right. So, over uh, last week, we started a brand new series, a series that kind of left people with their eyebrows raised a little bit when we first introduced it. We started a series called Life with Ants. Life with Ants. Now, I know that for many of us, you know, that's a little weird. It's like, who wants to live with ants? Who wants to uh, be with ants? Who wants to learn anything from ants? But this series is all about observing one of the smallest creatures in God's creation in order to, to, to learn some of the greatest lessons pertaining to life as designed by God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. These are some foundational uh, verses that we'll be looking at throughout the remainder of this series. And starting at verse 6 in Proverbs 6, it says, Go to the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And so from the very onset, what we see is that the ant teaches us much. And if we would just focus on its results, we would probably learn a lot. Isn't it true that we live in a day and age where everybody wants results, yeah. right? We look at other people's results and we say, I want that. Well, let's consider the results, just some of the results of the ant. The ant always has a store of supply. But why? Because it always has a guaranteed harvest. The end, right? Poverty has no place in its life. And lack has no hold on it. It cannot be ruled by, hope, by, by lack. But I want you to see why the end gets these great results. These results that God wants us to pay attention to. It's because the end operates according to God's wisdom. It operates according to God's wisdom. On the other hand, the sluggard lives on a perpetual dream vacation. The sluggard prefers to rest while expecting everything to work. The sluggard prefers what is easy to what is worth it. The sluggard receives poverty as his lot in life and it is captive to scarcity 
as one who was helpless to an armed man. What I want you to see is that the, the difference between the sluggard and the ant is not just the harvest it reaps or the lack thereof. It's the wisdom by which they live. And so I'm cluing you into next week, and you don't want to miss next week at Church at the Bridge. But I want you to see something that the ant is aware and it's awakened to the wisdom of God. Next week, we're going to be talking about wake up. And as people of God, we are called to live like the end, not sluggard. I believe that every one of us, all people, want the benefits of the end. I mean, think about it. Who doesn't want a great harvest? Who doesn't want to reap much? Who doesn't want to prosper in due time? See, there's nothing wrong with these things. It's part of God's design for life. Thus, he tells us, go and observe the end. Learn from the end. But while everyone wants what the end reaps, everyone is not willing to work for their harvest. And everyone is not willing to adhere to the wisdom of God. So you see, the ant teaches us that the harvest is available to us all. But it's only accessible to the one who lives and acts according to the wisdom of God. Thus, we should be careful to observe the ant. You know what else the ant teaches us? The ant teaches us that the harvest is always at hand. How do we see that? Because the, the ant, while it doesn't understand the process, here's what it knows. If I do this today, I will always reap tomorrow. And so the reason why I share that with you is because today's topic, I'd like to talk to you about your harvest. Your harvest is in your hand. Everybody look at your hands for a moment with me. Just look into your two hands. Take a moment to look in them. And I want to ask you a question. What do you see? What do you see? For some of you, you go, I don't see anything. Well, I pray that your eyes, your ears, and your heart is open. Because while you may not see something in your hands, God does. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. I could just drop the mic right there. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, this is God's plan, not yours. Listen closely. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So get this. The scripture says that in him you have you have received, you do possess a great inheritance. And for some of us, we think so low that all we think about is money. And this is talking about everything that pertains to life and godliness. All things pertaining to life and all things pertaining to where God is leading and guiding you. And the scripture says that you've obtained it. See, the ant and the sluggard are one in the same in that they both 
have the same opportunity. They both can reap at harvest time. But you see, the same, the, the, the difference between them is that the ant lives with an eye on what the Lord of the harvest has predestined for it. While it's ahead, it's real right now. While I haven't yet quite seen the manifestation or received it, I already have a hold on it in my life. I believe this to be true, to be mine. The sluggard, on the other hand, lives oblivious to it. The sluggard, man, let me not go there. Let me not go there. Let me not go there. Listen, the same is still true today between the end and the sluggard. We have all obtained an inheritance from God as his children. But all of us have not accepted it as our own. And I want you to consider something. Here's how you know where you are. Just examine your results. Examine your results. Are you reaping or still wanting? Listen closely to what I'm saying. I'm not talking about this hasn't come to pass yet in my life. I'm talking about you are not satisfied with the promise of God. Yeah. Thus you go seeking where, you, where, you, where you're not called to harvest from. And so you see, what you know to be yours is what you live for. And God has given you an inheritance as your harvest. It is in your hand. But what you do towards it day by day, what you do with it right now will determine your harvest in due time. Now I want to teach you something about sowing and reaping. Listen to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. In other words, don't be fooled. Don't fall for the lie. It says, God cannot be mocked. So what is this talking about? It's saying, don't deceive yourself and believe that you can circumvent the ways of God. And let's, let, let's get to the kicker here. What is he talking about? He says, a man reaps what he sows. Now, at face value, it's easy to read that and picture, what I sow, I reap. What I sow, I reap. But have you ever thought of it this way? That according to this scripture, what we see is that everyone is already reaping. Because we are all always sowing. Listen, if you are not happy with the state of your marriage right now, I'm not ascribing blame, but let me tell you, you sowed something that you're reaping today. If you're not happy with your finances, if you're not happy with your emotional well-being, if you're not settled and secure in peace with God, you sowed something that you have already been reaping. You went there before you got it. See, where you are in life presently is a result of what you've sown previously. In other words... You are harvesting today according to what you did with your harvest yesterday. What you did with the seed. And so in Mark chapter 5, we have the story of a woman who was reaping drastic results in her life. She'd been living with an issue of a constant flow of blood for many, many years. And according to the scripture, she devoted all her resources. She spent all her seed. 
hoping to get a different harvest. But it was none the better. Let's read in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 25. It says, A woman in the crowd had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much suffering at the hands of many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. She had heard reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his outer robe, for she thought, if I just touch his clothing, I will get well. Immediately, her flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body and knew without any doubt that she was healed of her suffering. And immediately Jesus, recognizing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in around you from all sides, and you ask, who touched me? Still, he kept looking around to see the woman who had done it. And the woman, though she was afraid and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Then he said to her daughter, your faith, your personal trust and confidence in me has restored you to health. Go in peace and be permanently healed from your suffering. And so what we see here is that this woman's issue went far beyond her physical ailment. She had devoted all that she had to finding a solution to accessing some sort of help. And in doing so, the scripture tells us that she reaped much suffering. You see, the reason why she suffered much was because her dependence was upon the wisdom of men. But as we see according to the scripture, all of a sudden she begins to hear reports about Jesus. And that says a lot. Not just reports about his healings, not just reports about his teachings, but reports about the questions that people were beginning to ponder probably. Could it be that this is the Son of God? Could it be that this is the promised one? Look at the miracles that he's performing. Look at the results that he's getting. Who, who, who where did this man get all this, this knowledge from, this wisdom from? He teaches in such a way that's so powerful, it's so unlike anything we've ever known. And so this woman hears about Jesus and she gets a glimpse that he's amongst the crowd. And the scripture tells us that she begins to press towards him. And as she's pushing and pressing, you see, she's not willing to be held back, to be detained from getting to Jesus. But what we see here is that she's, as she's pushing and pressing, as she's struggling and striving to get there. While she's on this journey to Jesus, pushing and pressing and trying to get there, while her condition provided limits and had created much suffering in her life, she had a hold of everything that she needed for her healing because she had confidence and a complete trust in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I just feel to ask this question for personal reflection. What more do you need than God? What more do you need than God? In him is provided everything. There's wisdom, there's strength, there's peace, there's joy, 
There's love. There's acceptance. There's forgiveness. There's healing. There's hope. There's a future. There's promise. And so while it appeared that this woman was down to nothing because of her condition, she had a hold of everything she needed for her healing. What we don't see is that as she's walking towards Jesus, she's not going, maybe this time it'll be different. We don't find her saying, maybe if I just pray a little harder, it'll happen this time. Maybe if I fast a little bit more, maybe I'll just move upon the, the heartstrings of God. I'll be able to pull on it just enough so that God can act. No, what we see is that instead her thoughts and her actions and her belief revolved around this one thing. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. I want you to see something, that this woman was holding on to a vision, to a picture, to a new possibility, and nothing could deter her from believing it. Nothing could stop her from reaching for it. Nothing, nothing could get in the way. I believe it's the Apostle Paul who says, man, I haven't arrived, but this one thing I do, I keep pressing towards the mark of the high call. I feel like the Lord is saying to us, keep pressing. Keep pressing. They say that pressure busts pipes. Don't you know that if you keep pressing, you'll break through the very things that try to restrain you and contain you and stop all that God is wanting to do to you? And so as she walked towards Jesus, I want to encourage you to consider what she was holding on to. This woman was beyond the place of desire for her healing. This woman was already holding on to her healing. See, before she ever reached Jesus, she already had a hold of him. She believed. And the reason why I share this brief encounter that Jesus had with this woman is because that's how the harvest works. Before you ever reap it, you have to possess it as your own. You have to possess it as your own. As you read the scriptures, is it their story or is it your story? Is it their victory or is it your victory? Is it their breakthrough or is it your breakthrough? Is it their healing or is it your healing? Is it their peace or is it your peace? Is it their joy or is it your joy? Man, I pray right now somebody say, man, it is mine, it is mine, it is mine. Listen to Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want you to see that faith is substance. It's tangible. It's more real than the seat you're sitting on. You can depend on, you can depend on it more, you can lean upon it more than you are the chair that you sit on. See, like that, this woman wasn't wondering if there would be a harvest of healing. She knew her time for reaping was at hand because she had all the substance and evidence that she needed to see her healing come to pass. 
she had her faith fixed on Jesus. And it gave her the strength to press towards the fruit of her harvest. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to leave you with three little things to reaping the fruit of your of the harvest in your hand. And the first thing that I want to share with you is, I want to say to you is, don't curse what God has called blessed. Don't curse what God has called blessed. You know, the people of Israel were a people that were truly, truly blessed. But their problem was that they were always cursing what God had blessed. Listen, God tells them, you're going to a promised land. And on the way there, they're complaining and going, man, if we were just back in Egypt, where we were whipped, and we were forced to labor, and we were unjustly treated, they complained. And in their complaining, they complained against God. Here they are walking into a land of promise. They arrive at the land of Canaan. And here's the report that they bring back. Oh, it really is a good land. It really is plentiful. It really does flow with milk and honey. But there are giants there. And we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they're going to all, they're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. They were the majority with God, but they believed that they were the minority in the face of their enemies. And one of the reasons why they experienced such grave results in the end was because they did not understand the blessing upon their lives. They also did not understand how the blessing works. Listen closely to Deuteronomy 28 verses 2 through 8. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So God's speaking here. And he's simply saying, just adhere to what I'm saying to you. Adhere to the decree that's coming from my lips, my heart. He says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Somebody say, that's me. I pray you believe that. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Somebody say, that's me. Amen. Blessed shall, your, shall be your basket and your netting bowl. Somebody say, that's me. Amen. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Somebody say, that's me. You're starting to get it. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Come on now. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Somebody say, that's me. Now listen. These people were a lot like us. They believed that they were called blessed in every area of their lives. But here's where I pray you and I are different than them. They knew that they were blessed. What they didn't know 
was that they were also commanded to be blessed. Now, you got you to sit and chew on that for a moment. You got to chew on that for a moment. Let me read to you verse 8 again. Listen to what God says to them and us. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. I got to tell you what that word command there means. That word command there means to appoint. It means to commission. It means to ordain. It means to give charge to. And so listen to what God is saying to you. He's saying that there is a commanded blessing on your storehouse. That there is a commanded blessing upon everything that you set your hand to. And he says that he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Don't you know that wherever you go, there is a commanded blessing upon you? And oftentimes what we do if we're not careful is this. While we're stepping into God's best, we're cursing the very land that's blessed. And it doesn't change God's blessing, but it does change your heart to receive it. Wherever they went, there was a divine and ordained appointment with a harvest of blessing. I pray, certainly not here, and certainly no one watching online, but I pray that from this day forward, you never again curse the very place by which God blesses you financially. I'm going to tell you why, because for some of us, we spend a lot of time complaining about our job. Complaining about our workplace. Complaining about our storehouse. It's called a bank account. Complaining about the man that God gave you as a husband. Complaining about the wife that God gave you. Complaining about the church that God placed you in. Man. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. I feel better already. Listen, don't mistake. Don't make the same mistake that they did. Don't bless what God has called. Don't, don't curse what God has called blessed. You know, when we, when we, you know the story, so I won't get into it. And if you don't know, you'll find out eventually. Just stick around. God's got good things for you here. But I remember um, when we first started the ministry, uh, and, you know, we started off in our home, and that lasted about three weeks. And then we ended up going to the Hudson Valley Hotel and Conference Center. We were there about five months. And then we ended up coming here uh, to this building. But the, when we got here, and uh, the, the building was already for sale, and I spoke to the owner. He says to me, how much money you got? And I said, I got no money for you. And he says, you know, I've had bad experiences with people of faith. And I said, I bet you have, but you won't have one with us. And then he asked me, you know, what, what's your vision? What, what has God placed on your heart? Which caught me off guard for a moment. And I just began to share my heart with him. And immediately right after that conversation, that man gets on the phone and he calls the guy who he was selling the building to. And he says, the building's off the market. Tell your lawyer not to call my lawyer. I'm committed to a church. What we didn't know that we found out shortly thereafter was that 14 years prior, God had spoken to that man's heart in a dream. And here's what, the, here's what he's, he, he says, you know, he, he was literally sitting with us. He says, I've seen this day come to pass. He says that God told him in a dream, there is a young, a, a young couple, 
a man and a woman, pastors that are going to come to you and they're going to ask you to use this building. And God told them, you, you give them whatever they need. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, there's a commanded blessing before you ever get there. The door's already open before you get there. Well, let's move right along. The next thing I want to leave you with is this. Don't expect a harvest tomorrow if you're not willing to break ground today. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says, the lazy man does not plow when the winter planting season arrives. And so he begs at the next harvest and has nothing to reap. Listen, harvesting, harvesting crop is not for the faint-hearted. And neither is the call to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, you are blessed. You are destined for a life of abundance. You are created to reap much fruit. Fruit that will last is what Jesus called it in John 15. But you cannot circumvent, you cannot avoid the process to getting there with God. The lazy man, the sluggard, the person who sets aside and casts off the wisdom of God is the one who wants the harvest but is not willing to plow. He's not willing to break any ground with the plow when sowing season comes around. See, sowing season is done in the colder months of the spring. The ground isn't as easy to break in those times. And yet, what we find is that the lazy person goes, this is too hard. Notice who God calls the lazy person. He calls the person lazy. The person he calls lazy is the one who is unwilling to adhere to his wisdom. You can be a hard worker. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that. But what are you doing with the wisdom of God? See, sowing for a harvest sounds like hard work at face value when you read this scripture. But I want to share with you a different perspective um, from the scriptures in Proverbs 21. Listen to what breaking ground is. It says in Proverbs 21.5, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So listen, if you're going to reap your harvest tomorrow, you must understand that it takes planning and plowing today. Listen, relationships don't just happen. Prosperity doesn't just happen happen. Increase doesn't just happen. Discovering the purpose that God has for your life doesn't just happen. The scripture declares that the person that plans hmm, and works hard, works towards it, it leads them to prosperity. So if you're going to plan, let me give you some advice from Proverbs 19:21. It says, many are the plans in the mind of men. I know there's many, many plans in this room. We all have them. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You want to know what a good plan is? A good plan is not your plan. 
A good plan is a plan that's founded on the purposes that the Lord has for you. If the plans you have in your heart, if the plan that you are unfolding in your life does not align itself with the purposes of God, stop making excuses, stop, stop, stop compromising, stop making decisions that are contrary to the word and somehow uh, 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 convincing yourself otherwise. If it's not God's way, it is not a good plan. And it will not work. Hmm. So after you have a good plan, after you've aligned yourself with the purposes of God that will stand, let's talk about what working hard is. Proverbs 12, 24 says this, diligent hands will rule. But laziness ends in forced labor. <laughs> Listen, working hard isn't about making it happen on your own. I'm not talking about working in order to, for you to convince God to do something more for you. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith, not works, lest any of us can boast. That's not what we're talking about here. Working hard is about diligence, and diligence is persistence because of what you possess. You know what's interesting about that word uh, diligence in the Hebrew is that it literally depicts a trench that has been dug. It's, it's, it's two words conjugated to make one, but, but the other part of that word depicts all that's already been mined. So here's what it's literally saying. The person who digs Here's what he discovers. The gold's already there for you. It's already been provided for you. And with that understanding, I want you to hear what God is saying to us. Diligent hands, hand, hands that know that they already possess what God has provided. These hands are the ones that will rule over much. But laziness, here's what it ends in. Forced labor. Master card. Submitted to the will of people. Submitted to the comparisons that we, that we hold to with others. Struggling. Bound. It's not the plan of God. So I want to remind you, don't expect a harvest tomorrow if you're not willing to break ground today. It takes a good plan. And yes, it takes diligence. It'll lead you to prosperity. The last point that I want to leave you with here today is this. Trust that God knows what he's doing. Listen, as we close today and we stand, I'd like to point your attention to the fact that God created every season in, in our life for a purpose, including the season of harvest. And as such, we should trust as we remain faithful in our planning, in our diligence, and in our actions. Why? Because God remains faithful to do what he has declared in our lives. Listen to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. This is what it says. Jesus, it says, he also said, 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. I've got to point something out to you. This is not talking about God sowing seed. And the reason why we know that is because God knows how the seed works. So watch this. Verse 28, all by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. What I want you to see here is this, that the sower who sows the seed doesn't understand how it grows, but he understands this, that if I sow it, that if I do something, the harvest is guaranteed. Ladies and gentlemen, listen closely. You already have your harvest because everyone has seed. Don't worry, we're not taking another offering. That's not what we're talking about. No, seriously, some people, that's where our mind goes. Listen closely. God has given you seed. And what you do with that seed is the harvest. Unfortunately, for some of us, it's very possible that what we've been doing is replacing the seed with a counterfeit, a corruptible seed, a penetrable seed, a seed that really is a weed. And all it does is, is suck the life out of you, robs you of the harvest. Listen, your harvest is in your hand. And God is faithful, cause it to grow and produce much fruit in your life. You, you and I, we must take hold of the harvest in our hand. And follow the ways of God. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. God's ways cannot be mocked. Amen? Amen. Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Father, you are wise in all your ways. And yet, Lord, right here, right now, what you, what you do is that you unveil to us your wisdom. Through something that appears so small, you teach us such a great lesson in life about reaping what the kingdom has provided for us as an inheritance. Marriages, the hearts, stable minds, a life filled with peace, prospering in all our ways. Father, today, in the hearing of your word, faith is working in our hearts. And Father, we respond to you and we say, Lord, we appreciate and we value the harvest. We hold your wisdom as the seed in our lives. And Father, today, we planted in every area of our life. It's very possible here today, maybe you're joining us online, whoever you are, and today you're hearing the living 
word of God and you're saying, man, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but I believe. I believe that God has predestined me for a great harvest. I believe that God has given me an inheritance. I believe that God has provided all that I need. And I've been searching in people and things and places. And what I'm realizing is that what I've always wanted is God. And today I want you to take that seed of faith and sow it. Sow it into your heart. Accept gift of all. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn him, but to save him. God's not mad at you. God loves you. And God loves you so much that he sold the very life of his son here on earth to take the place of all men because none of us could pay the price for sin. But Jesus did. And not only did he die and pay the price, but he rose again and proved that you and I can rise again. If you believe that with us today, pray this with us, say this with us, with confidence and boldness. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Because you love me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I declare you're my God. And I thank you that from this day forward, I reap an abundant harvest. If you believe that, come on, we're celebrating right here in this place. Lives transformed by the very seed of God's love. Father, we thank you for all you've done in our lives. We celebrate Jesus in your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again Sunday. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that today's message met you right where you are and that God spoke to you powerfully. If you're interested in staying up to date with previous sermons, new content as we go live, or just being up to date with anything and everything that we're doing, please take the moment to subscribe to our YouTube page. Please make sure also to turn on your notification setting on the YouTube channel so that that way you get notified whenever we're going live. Lastly, I just want to thank you for your partnership and I want to ask you to continue in partnership with us with your giving by giving at our website at ctbny.com backslash give or through our Church at the Bridge app. God bless and can't wait to see you again next Sunday.